Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of Chat, Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast. We are back again, like the renegade master, as they say. Um, and <laughs> I'm, I am Chris Dredd, and I'm here with the main man, JB. What's going on, bruv? Man, it has been, it has been a hell of a week. Let's, let's not beat around it. You know, episode 11 was our most successful episode and we can only thank everyone that's watched and listened and you know played along because it's it just gets it gets bigger and better every time it's great isn't it i mean we, we when we started we were getting even for us bro when we started and we were getting like 500 views we were getting gassed and like you yeah. know and and you know for us like Two, two blokes who just love watching wrestling. We like to think we know a bit about a bit, you know, but we don't really, we, we, we ain't all that. Um, or, or but as, my, we, as my wife would like to say, two nerds watching wrestling. Two nerds. Yeah. Two nerds. And uh, shout out to, to the two missuses who put up with a hell of a lot, bigger uh, yes, and wrestling wise. Um, but yeah, man, we, we, you know, we would never have thought in our wildest dreams that we would be doing this and having a good amount of people every single week. I mean, even within a day or so, you know, we're getting 1,000, 2,000 views on, on our videos within a day. And we just, you know, we can't thank everybody enough. Um, you know it, what time it is, baby. Get them fingers ready, Jordan, because we are on so many platforms. You if know. you're watching us... <laughs> If you're watching us on YouTube, it is Chat, Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast on YouTube. Get at us on the Twitter. We post every episode on there. But we are also on Podbean, Spotify, Deezer, CastBot, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. Dude, I was around at, um, my father-in-law and mother-in-law's the other day and uh, they had like a little Amazon Echo thing. And this made okay. me happy beyond belief right went in there and i said alexa and it went bling bling and i said uh, go to tune in radio and then it went to tune in radio and i said play chat grapple and cheap pops podcast and it said chat grapple and cheap pops podcast episode 11 um wwf survivor series and i was like yes <laughs> looks like we made it like you know it's Fantastic. We're in the system now. Amazon Echo have got us. Yeah, baby. There ain't no getting away from us, man. JB and Chris Dredd, your broadcast journalists. And we've got we've got a weird treat today. It's you know, we we spoke about this just quickly before we before we started recording, and it's not a bad show. It's not a bad show, but it is a it's a mess of a main event, real mess. <laughs> and we could be talking about any WCW show, like, you know, at any point, like it happens, you know, everyone has a bad main event every now and again, but this is, this is next level shambles. This is, this is grim. It, it's fucking like, like Jordan was saying, we, we were chatting about this before we went on. Not, not a particular. I mean, it's littered with with great matches. There, there's, there are some real good matches good stuff, on this. Yeah, I mean, stuff. you know, even the first match, fantastic match. You know, there, there's um, some good Japanese talent on this. Um, yeah. You know, 
you know, absolutely fantastic pay-per-view, really. Like, and I, I recently, and I think Jordan as well, recently watched this before we re-watched it for this episode because we were watching through the history of WCW on the WWF net on the WWE network. So we were watching all the nitros from the start of nitro and then all the pay-per-views that happen in chronological order. That's how I was doing it. So trust me guys, it gets harder when you get to thunder really hard. Is You know, it's, it's crazy, but um, you know, I watched this, I would say probably three months ago or so. And <laughs> it was fucking the yeti you know it, it was it was yeah. in those times you know it was when you had the dungeon of doom you had hogan who was in and in and about it uh it like i say it's not a bad pay-per-view at all and we again really enjoyed re-watching it but i've watched this pay-per-view probably twice in the last three months and the main event didn't get no easier to watch um, yeah. and the antics of one superstar pissed me off to no end as well. We, Again. we will get to said person, I'm sure. But yeah, for anyone that hasn't twigged or hasn't seen what we've got there, it's WCW, it is World War Three, 1995. It's the three ring battle royal, 60 men. You know, we'll get to that. Um, it's maybe like barely had, it may be they barely had fucking 60 men. It, exactly. When we get to the names, yeah, we'll get there. Um, the first thing you see on the like on the paper at the beginning, like the opening promo of it, it just says "card subject to change." And I thought that was a tagline. <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> it's the Norfolk Scope in Virginia. It's the same arena that they would eventually get, and I'm using the quotation, invaded by DX in '98. It is a bit of a stronghold for WCW. They do love, like you know, their shows there. It, you do notice it is very much horseman slash flair country. You tell you can tell by the crowd. There's our commentary booth for the evening is it's terrific. Uh, it's Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan, who also introduced Mean Gene as they would, but then for later on you've also got Eric Bischoff, Dusty Rhodes, Chris Cruz, Larry Zbysko. Yep. Holy hell, like, that's a lot of announcers for one show. Um, actually, we have Mike Tanay also. Mike Tanay joins us. Yeah, he does. Yes, for, for a Japanese match, which, may I add, the Japanese match is very, very important in this pay-per-view as well. Extremely important. Not, not necessarily for WCW, but in Japanese wrestling terms, it was very yeah, important. It is. Um, Tony Schiavone predicts that Hogan's going to win. Bobby picks Randy Savage and Tony shoots him a look. More, it, it, should, we, should we talk about it later? Well, no, the, the, the thing what Bobby does, and, and Bobby is fucking great at it. He, he, he basically, he flits from, per, he, says, he says to Tony, pick a winner, pick a winner right now. And then he says, right, I'll have to go with Hogan. He goes, oh, but you could go for this. I'm going to go for this guy. And then I'm going to go, actually, I might go for this guy. And then I might go for this guy. And he's like, well, pick a winner, man. He's like, well, no, I'll tell you later. Um, yeah. He says, I'll, 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 I'll tell you later. You know, so, yes. The first, I did catch the first the... name to come out of his mouth was Randy Savage. And Tony shoots him a death stare. I noticed this straight away. Yeah. Bobby also picks the Giant and Ric Flair. And, you know, it, it's a little bit of, you know, the, the start of the pay-per-view chatter. 
but you can also chat live with superstars on CompuServe. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got that, that as well. Yeah, yeah. Anyone knows what CompuServe was? Give us a shout. <laughs> um, we uh, Well, maybe, I think you was probably a bit too young for that, fam. 1995, yeah, I was eight, so... I know the internet. I was thirteen. Yeah, the net was starting to make its mark. I know about CompuServe. Um, oh, okay. I did have a little smile. Um, and and this is November twenty sixth, nineteen ninety five. So pretty much the same day as Survivor Series. This would have been because this is Thanksgiving. Well, I'm not sure if Survivor Series continued to be that Thanksgiving night thing around that time in ninety five, but. It, yeah, the times would have been close. It would have been very close. Yeah. Um, and also, anyone who didn't catch our last episode, it was a Survivor Series. So uh, just check that out. Yeah, you can catch that on uh, on YouTube and the 984 podcast websites that Chris mentioned about three yeah. <laughs> We We don't even open with a match. We open with Mean Gene. Um, he's with... Macho Man Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan in black. He's sort of flirting with the dark side and Sting. And before you can even think about Hogan's dark side, he rips off all the black gear and he's got red and yellow on underneath. Like, that's it. Like, no build. He just rips it all off and he's back in red and yellow. He's going to burn, burn the Dungeon of Doom or something. Like, i got to be honest, Hogan, Hogan's promos around his time are pretty weak. It was it was the same played out bullshit. It was yeah. the same listen there, brother, blah blah, fucking you know, pythons, you know. And, but the thing is, they do bring up the rag sheets. Um yeah, we'll get you know, they, <laughs> um, you know they're saying Savage doesn't have an injury. It's a pretty lively crowd here already. They're pretty they seem pretty into it. And Hogan, yeah, is holding. A dirt, he calls it a rag sheet. It's clearly a dirt sheet. I'm hoping it's Meltzer's. You know? Yeah. And he calls, the, <laughs> he calls the sheet a dinosaur he said, compared to the internet, which is, you know, just to make him say, saying that the Giant's going to win the event. This is what the sheet said. And that Savage... Yep, yep, yep. And Savage says he's not injured. And, you know, Hogan saying, you know, I'm going to win the World War Three Battle Royal. And yeah, I thought it was hilarious. He, he comes out holding a fucking dirt sheet. Yeah, because yeah. they're trying to push the whole internet thing, I think, but with the whole CompuServe uh, thing. So they're saying, look, these these rag sheets, these are dinosaurs, because they're saying that Ran Macho Man's got a bad wing and he's not going to do it. And they're saying mm -hmm. that the Giant's going to win. And they're saying this and that. But we're saying the internet is saying this. It's, you know, it's so an incredibly interesting, like opening interview to just start wailing away on the on the dirt sheets, like yeah, man. I'm guessing yeah, Hogan don't like the dirt sheets. I'm guessing they thought that they picked, they figured out who was going to win and all of this. And I mean, I can imagine with Eric Bischoff's long sort of standing hatred towards Meltzer and you know that sort of ilk, he probably came from him. You know, he on his own podcast on 83 Weeks, you know, he does not like Dave Meltzer. And yeah, so maybe they said, look, take this out there and fucking yeah. bury him. Yeah, 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 exactly that. Just bury, bury the dirt sheet, see if we can, you know, 
score a few points on them. Get some heat. Yeah. <laughs> well, they get they do get heat because they set fire to Hogan's outfit here. It's yeah. You no, know, it looks it looks like Sting's trying to put it out. <laughs> What's going? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit crazy because I think the fire gets a little bit out of control. It starts off with Sting squirting a little bit of like lighter fluid. It's like, you know, one of these guys that thinks they can do a barbecue and just keeps oh, squirting loads of like lighter fluid all over and it goes up like a leaking gas pipe. But um, yeah, I think it gets a little bit out of control. And even uh, Mean Gene is like, oh, you know, we're going burn to burn in the bloody place now. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's not... It's... The only interesting part is the dirt sheet thing. Like, it's not a great promo. We get a promo vid, you know, of what's been going on with, well, not even a video, really. It's just a clip from the WCW Saturday night with DDP and Johnny B. Bad. The television title's on the line. It's, it is um, DDP with the Diamond Doll, or his wife at the time, Kimberly, against our champion. I'd forgotten that Johnny B. Bad was a television champion. So this was fun and new for me again. Yeah, the winner. Like, I mean, this this wouldn't fly. The winner gets Kimberly. The winner gets the Diamond Doll. Like, what sort of a stipulation is that? She offered herself up, bro. <laughs> Still, she offered herself up. She said in the in the promo, she says, "I'm offering myself up because it seems like DDP cares more about the belt than he does me or whatever." The woman that cleans his dishes and blah 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 and all this, you know. So, um, yeah, it, it was very weird. She offering herself up I think um, to be the match the with a female at stake is just, I don't know, it's a bit, it's way, way beyond time. Isn't it's it? Neanderthal, isn't it? It is yeah. Neanderthal. But, you know, this is 1995 WCW, G. Yeah, true. Um, the mullets are gorgeous. Very impressive mullets here. For 95, because mullets should have gone by then, really. They, Wrestling's 10 years behind at this point. Some, some ways, yeah. The, I mean, but these are fantastic mullets. Let's not get that wrong. Uh, Johnny B. Bad has got some nice tassels on, you know, so we know he's the baby face for sure. That's right. <laughs> the tassel factor. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know why this annoyed me, but maybe it's maybe it's being a good heel. Maybe it was just, you know, he didn't want to get too deep into it. But DDP kept cutting off the chain wrestling attempts, and it annoyed me. I don't know why. I've got. It I ready. think that was yeah. I think that was playing the heel, bro. Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, let, before we even start with the wrestling, I mean Johnny B. Bad coming out with the the big fucking like fireworks poncho. Yeah. yeah, and the fireworks coming out of the arms. You know, when it says I'm in a bad mood. Um, on, on his thing and with these like all I can say is they're like flares you know like that yeah. would shoot like the Roman candle fucking fireworks shooting out of his hands um, you know it, and that oh, bloody some, some song of, some of the outfits tonight are incredible I'm going to mention a few when we get to them but yeah some of these outfits are oh yeah really really good and, and the Johnny B. Bad song uh I hate it every single time I hear it. It's just, you know, I, I hate it. I'm sorry. Is it? He looks like Little Richard. Is, we it know. With, is it me with the American Male song? Possibly, dude. Possibly that, even that. more heated. <laughs> I want to get my guitar out and start playing when I hear American Males. No, when I hear Johnny Be Bad, yeah. I want to hit someone double J fucking honky tonk style with a guitar. Yeah. Uh. 
we've moved off from from wrestling to shit music again. Um, but also, Diamond Dallas Page comes out and he's got the bad blaster at this point. He's stolen it. Oh, has he? Yeah, he comes out and he gives the bad blaster a big pump when he's there, and then Kimberly's giving it the no, oh, you know. Yeah, you know, she, um, she really she's annoying as shit. Point, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so great, great heel. DDP, great heel. Stealing valuable wrestling time here from camp, like from the camp, like valuable camera time from the wrestling. Because yeah, they do cut away to her quite a lot in this, and she's just pulling like a sort of really like weird face. She just keeps like twisting her lip a little bit. And yeah. Does you know, it work? It's, it's, it's a really weird setup, this as well. Because if you've been to, like, any, anyone who's watching who's been to an indie show, we'll see that, like, they always have, like, a little shitty table next to the ring that'll have a couple of guys sitting on it. One is the timekeeper and one's, like, the announcer that goes and sits down. And in this event, you've got Bobby the Brain Heenan and Tony Schiavone sitting on some shitty little table, like, right next to the ring. And even... Um, you know, Bobby says, he goes, oh, you know, we, we, some, one of us is going to, you know, I'm going to get hurt at some point. I'm yeah. sitting here. He says it at some point during Bobby the thing. And it's just weird escape. when you when see anyone gets out of the ring, he looks to just get up and get the hell out of there. Oh, absolutely. Like he's shitting his pants a lot of the time that he's going to get injured or something because there's a lot of uh, in and outs of rings because if you can imagine there's three, three rings. Up. And... Yeah, it doesn't work. It's yeah. some of the poor I mean, Surely that would have been a count out of them getting out of the main ring and going into another ring, but because I the referees often ring, follow every them. Every ring is in play, and that sounds terrible, but... Yep, every ring is in play. <laughs> hey! Boom, boom, boom. Um, Bobby Heenan's monitor's playing up the minute DDP starts doing a bit of cheating. Of course it is. Oh, dude, it's great, because he says... Uh, but <laughs> it's great. DDP pulls Kim in front of him, and then as um, Johnny B. Bad comes, he hits him over Kim, and then he goes, Bobby goes, No, I thought that was Kim's hand. That was Kim that hit him. <laughs> I think there's something wrong with my monitor. My monitor's broken. Well, there was something wrong with my monitor because they, they missed the production, misses a decent clothesline, like really well done. And yeah. that sort of stuff just annoys me. Like, I. You know, really good clothesline, really good stuff by the guys working and the production, whoever's in charge of it, you know, decides to send it to a really poor camera angle and you miss you miss the good stuff, really. It bugs me. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, it, it, does. you know, an, an event like this, you know, the logistics of how the cameras should be uh, should have been better. Um, and, and, and this was a great, I thought this was quite a good match. Uh, you okay. know, yeah. DDP, DDP, and Johnny B. Bad had some fairly good matches over over the time. Uh, you know, in, in beginning start of Nitro time and things like that. So yeah, it, it was uh, it was a good match, but some things were missed. Um, there, was a, there was a decent, really good spot. Like it was, um, I think it was a two count on a sit out power bomb. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, like so there was just some. It was you know you're weighing up the good with the bad because you know they missed the, the decent clothesline, but you get an excellent you know sit out power bomb. You know two count. Um, one of the moves, the diamond doll holds up the ten, and you know for Johnny B. Bad and the place gets really excited about it. Like, I mean fans fans in '95 were they were like hungered for some chip for some pops, weren't they? 
Oh, they loved it, mate. You know what I mean? It, you know, in this match, Page was all over bad. Page was all over him. He was beating the snot out of him for a long time. Then Bad had a little comeback, as you say. Kim holds up the, the 10 plus sign. And then you've got Bobby Heenan just talking brilliantly. He's going, Oh, you know, if if she leaves um if she leaves Page, she's gonna have to get a job. That that dress is getting repoed. You know, he's talking about, you know, she's gonna have to get a job. That he that asked, dress is going back to Target. He asked, is she worth it? <laughs> it's a fair comment. And he, he says to he says to Tony, he said, Would you would you fight over your old lady? And he goes, Yeah, I think I would. He goes, Well, you're a fool. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great. It's um, yeah, it's, it's a decent it's a decent back and forth sort of thing. Event like gets to a good spot and you get yeah, we get a sling a slingshot leg drop. That's hard to say. Um yeah. and Johnny V Bad gets the win and we get some of that sweet, sweet music again. You're missing the bad mood over the top, which was really good as well. Oh, to yeah. To the outside. Flip over the top. Really good, yeah. Which does set up um, the shot leg drop, yeah. Yeah, it does. It, I thought it was a really good match. Um, you know, and even to her credit, Kimberly on the outside, she was saying, look, I've, you know, never seen a contest like this before. And it was, it was a back and forth contest, you know. It was, for a starting match, absolutely brilliant, open, yeah. I, yeah. I thought. Before before WCW got to having cruiserweights open their shows and just tear the house down, yeah, this was a good opener. Yeah, and you can't really fault it. Like it's, it's got everything you need. It's got you know a slightly lesser championship on the line. It's got a little bit of a decent backstory to it, something that people can sink their teeth into. And yeah, I I, I don't mind this one. It was it was good. <laughs> We, mean Gene's in the aisle, and he uh, he's gonna plug his hotline, and straight away he says, "There's a WWF steroid scandal update on the hotline." It's great. You, you at the oh. end of this match as well, though, when the because you're missing what happened at the end uh, with the well, with the well, um, well, basically she gets in the ring because obviously the stipulation is if, if he loses, she has to go with Johnny B. Bad. So she gets in the ring all coy and all this kind of thing and then he just gives it that and then she gives him a hug and whatnot. And then Let's be honest, Bobby it wasn't, Heenan wasn't drops... Savage and Elizabeth at WrestleMania 7. It was nothing. It was no. Nowhere near anything like that. It was... It but was for, Bobby Heenan's, for Bobby Heenan's comment alone, dude, she thinks she looks like a 10 and he's got an IQ of 10. It's just premium right. Heenan. Cut, you know, that's it, bro. You know, but, but Tony wouldn't cut him off like Gorilla would. It's, it's Tony true. Would, Tony would just let him go. Like, will you stop? Yeah, there, you know, Gorilla there, would always cut him off and, like, you know, you get back to, you know, the dude, rest. How, so, how long after this would Kimberly be the booty babe? Wouldn't be long after this because, in my chronology of Nitro, as going forward, she was with Bob, uh, Johnny B. Bad not very long at all. So she was with Johnny B. Bad, and then she was the booty babe. But then we remember she comes back to WCW with Diamond Dallas Page later on in the NWO time. Yeah, that because of the the new. They wouldn't, be, they wouldn't be back on TV together until like '97. Yeah, um, and she was the booty babe after this. Um, not long after this as well. So Kimberly took a bit of time out from this as well. We just, we just can't escape the Ed Leslie gimmick box, can we? 
No, we can't, dude. No, I mean, we're going to get to it later as well. We do get to it as well later on. Fuck me, do we? Um, yeah, yeah. So you know, like you said, sorry, um, Johnny B. Bad wins, uh, holds the title, but they before they meet Gene Oakland in the aisle, Gene's going off about the about his uh, super his hotline and he's saying the WWF steroid scandal there's a late breaking story in the New York Post and I actually forgot to google what story that would be and who it would be that they were dropping in the proverbial um dog poo but um yeah he was that was a bit ruthless wasn't it well the, the hotline apparently always was a bit ruthless Obviously, we, we obviously, you know, over here, we never got a chance to, to listen to any of Gene's hotline stuff. But yeah, he, uh, he was always, yeah, he was always dropping little bits of beans. Someone's gone from World Championship Wrestling. Someone's, you know, someone up north is doing this, that and the other. He would always sort of give him a little shake. Yeah. Spoilers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Gene is with John B. Bad and... Diamond Doll, Kimberly, however you want to refer to her now. Um, although this was fair enough, Johnny Bad says he's going to respect her and give her the choice. He's given her, you know, the choice to decide whether she's going to manage him or not. And she's got until the next night. I'm not trying to do it. Yeah, you've got a night. I'm not yeah. going to Pepe Le Pew ya, um, but make your fucking mind up quickly, love, because you've got until tomorrow. Oh, yeah. This next match is not very good. I don't, yeah, I mean, yes, the pay-per-view is X, like, has some good stuff, but this is, this takes us back to one of our earlier episodes, it feels like, where we had the uh, Carson City silver dollar on a pole match thing. Yeah. Because this is a taped fist challenge, which is hard enough to figure out, and it's Big Bubba, or, you know, Ray Trailer, Big Boss Man, however you want to describe him, against Hacks or Jim Duggan. And before you can even get going, Heenan is ripping the Duggan family apart. Absolute gold from Heenan again. This Heenan was the highlight of this match for me. Yeah. His quips, you know, he he he, <laughs> he rips into his grandmother, his dad, yeah. the whole family. He's like, um, you know, there's <laughs> a long line of Duggan tape fist champions. Like, he just it's great, you know. He even says his uh, his grandmother was a tape fist champion and had three less teeth than him. Yeah. We uh, we get our cheap pop of the USA chants, which we have unanimously agreed that they are cheap pops when you shout USA at the top of your line. Oh. Yeah. See, now Ho, I don't think is a cheap pop, but USA is. I'll go with that. Yeah. Um, Heenan says that he'd pummel... Jim Duggan so bad that his eyes would be straight. Yeah, <laughs> it reminds me of uh, a line from Friday After Next or Next Friday. Have you seen Next Friday? Yeah, right? Next Friday, yeah. When he goes, when he's talking about Debo and he's got his brother there and he's like, I'll, I'll bust your ass like Craig did. Knock your fucking ass straight. <laughs> and he just, they blatantly stole that from Bobby the Brain Heenan. Possibly, like. yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a brawl and it's not a good one. It's, I mean, this is, this is how bad it was. They the camera got too close, and Big Bubba's missing punches. Oh, dude, I clocked that as well. Uh, he come, 
he made made sure the one that he showed light on afterwards he actually hit him because yeah. they actually say in the commentary booth oh he connected with that one yeah. basically saying he fucking missed with that last one and I just yeah like I'm, I'm, I'm already complaining about production with that clothesline in the first match and now they're getting in really close on ridiculously light punches in a taped fist match well that's yeah, all they're punch doing is punching yeah right. yeah um You've got you've got them jamming each other's heads in between ring posts of the three rings. You've got them going into the next ring and jumping between rings and whatnot. And it, even Heenan goes, "Why do they keep going to the outside?" He's like, "Hey, do you know what that thing is there? The thing with the ropes." Yeah. Um. You know, <laughs> he, he's just telling them get back in the ring. Like, why does everyone always come out to the outside? He don't like it. Um. I think, but it's, it's great. I think this is pretty close to around the time where he got. Grabbed by Pillman. And it he, was, yeah. He got swearing on the air, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Well, that was Night of Champions, I think. Yeah, that was a, that was a, a clash, wasn't it? Cla- yeah, clash of cha- Yeah, that's right. I think Pillman grabs him and he shouts, "What the fuck are you doing?" Or something. <laughs> yeah, jumps out of his seat like he's just shat himself. Yeah. Um, but he, he he says to Tony, "Yeah, have you ever been hit with a tape fist?" He says, "No." He says, "I'll tape up and waffle you one later if you want." <laughs> It's an ugly mess. Let's be honest. Uh, Bubba tries to tape Duggan to the uh, to the rope. It doesn't. It it goes round like on like one loop, and Duggan's got to pretend like he's stuck there, like he's been you know, chained yeah. up. It's, yeah, it's bad. Uh, VK Wall Street, or you know, as we know him, you know, IRS or Captain, whatever his name was. You know, he was he was the boat captain, wasn't he, as well? Yeah. It's related to related to the fiend, isn't he? He is related to the fiend. Yeah, good shout. He's uh yeah, there's a wrestling dynasty there that you know not many people might know of. The Rotunda, the Rotunda yeah. family, very, very deep in the wrestling world. So VK Wall Street comes out, dug and waxing with the two by four. But in the midst of that, the chain that Wall Street brings out just happens to fall into the hands of Big Bubba. And he says, Heenan says, a fan. I think a fan threw it in. I think, a, I think a... Bubba uses that chain to hit Duggan and gets the win by a knockout. And it is awful. Um, like, again, sorry, bro, but the highlight of this match again is Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah. He says, you know. Uh, Duggan's Duggan's mum was Irish. His dad was an Irish setter. It's um, it's Heenan all day long. This match for me. It's yeah, and I mean I feel bad because you know when we get to Big Bubba, like this, this happened a couple of times now. We're seeing him in these wacky gimmick matches that just have no payoff. They're just rubbish. I mean, he gets um, he gets busted open with the tape actually on the top of his head. Yeah. Before the win, but then it's a really weird finish as well because Bubba gets the chain and then he gets like a ten count. So there's no pin in this tape fist yeah, match. It's a knockout match. Yeah. It's a knockout match, and then you know as Bubba's getting out, he's like, "Tell him how great I am, Bobby. T- tell him how tell him how great I am, Bobby." He's like, "You're great. You're great." You know. Mean Gene is with 
the at the time 11 time world champion nature boy rick flair and i get the feeling that chris is going to do something funny <laughs> Woo! nature boy for those that see this chris is sporting a beautiful blonde wig which is fashioned into a hairstyle of rick flair it's kind of a cross between Donald Trump and Ric Flair at the moment. I haven't we'll definitely, call it, it, we'll definitely call it Ric Flair. <laughs> it's Ric Flair. That's right. So, yeah, uh, the great one, Gene and Flair, classic, classic it's Flair. He's dropping all the lines. You know, whether you, you like it or you don't like it, you know, he's given off all these. He, he's recently turned, hasn't he? He, uh, yeah. he, turned, he turned heel again at Halloween Havoc. But the problem with Flair in 1995, much within 1996 when we spoke about it at the Bash at the Beach um, review we did, he's a legend and they're not going to boo him. They're going to cheer him because he's, you know, he's one of the greatest wrestlers to ever do it. He's the best thing going today. Yeah, there's no way, no way around it. Like, and you get to that, you'll... Talk about it later on when he wrestles Sting in one of the matches, but it's Ric Flair, and Pete. When, when he goes woo, you know people do it too. And and you've got to remember as well. I'm going to point my finger like Flair as well. You, you've got to remember he has just come off of the back of doing one of the most dastardly things to the main face of the company. Right? Yeah. What he did to what he did to Sting was fucking despicable really you know he made out that the the horsemen were attacking him and beating him up and all that got sting to trust him and come into a match with him and then he said pretended he was injured and he got clobbered by the horsemen then he was out the back and then he didn't come out sting was on his own and then boom yeah they turned on him and then beat the snot out of sting and you know he should have been being booed but like you say incredible heat that that halloween havoc you know, where Flair eventually, yeah, makes his way out. And, like, even the pop when he gets the tag in that match at Halloween Havoc, the place goes yeah. crazy. And Absolutely. Bitterly disappointed when Flair turns on Sting. It's, 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 it's really good, you know. And this is why I'm wearing the wig, just as a shout-out to the Horseman and Flair, um, because Flair is, is the man, you know. He's the man. It, it's... He's a heel, he, you know, he's with the heel faction and it's quite a heely faction. You know, this, this iteration of the, of the horsemen, you've got Anderson, Flair, um, Benoit and uh, Flying Brian, you know, and... I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show the world how much of a mark I am right now. Um, I, my house, my family is a family of four and... I decided to christen us the four horsemen. There's a picture in my living room of us on one of my kids' birthdays, and we've all got the same four horsemen t-shirt on. Yeah, and ah, oh, yeah, four horsemen, what a group? Can't knock That's it. That's a thing of beauty. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll get to the next match, and it is it's a little bit, it's a bit of history. It's an interpromotional women's tag team match. It is. Um, it's something that, <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> all them woos, 
yeah. have done me chest in. I've I've not got COVID. Yeah. yeah. Um, You know, uh, it is something that the Japanese have never seen. You know, these these two teams, they've they've never they've never um, you know they've never fought each other before. It's something that's unseen. It's extremely important in the you know you've got the JWP team and you've got the All Japan team. And this is yeah, this is something. Cutie Suzuki and Mayumi Ozaki against Bull Nakano, who I think people would recognise from a little stint in the WWF. And yep. Hiro Hokuto. And they come out with Sonny Ono, who Sonny just is great. Sonny does a brilliant job. As Norm. Love him. And, you know, we're joined by Mike Tanay, who does all the ex- explanations and tries to get that across that it's it's a historical night. There's a lot of Japanese photographers at ringside. And I've got to say, Borna Khan is an incredible heel. Oh, I mean, the, the, think about this. This is 1995. I mean, Jordan and myself, our first episode that we did was on 1987 WWF Survivor Series. And one of the highlight matches on that card, uh, apart from the fact that it had Sensational Sherry in it, it actually had the fly, Flying Bomb Angels, which were another Japanese. Um, female team so we love a bit of Japanese wrestling anyway but for its time people were really not seeing women wrestling like these women were wrestling women's wrestling in the US was I don't want to say it was on the floor but it wasn't it wasn't going very very well you had Alundra Blaze producer as the WWF women's champion WCW didn't really have a women's division, but on this on this night at World War Three, they've brokered a deal where they can have two promotions from Japan, no less, put on this incredible match, this really good match. It was a showcase. It yeah. was absolutely a showcase, and you've got Tanay explaining the way that women's wrestling is treated in Japan, where they will have. A, a few people go to these dojos and go through the training camps and then you'll have probably 12 or, or so go through and then only six of them will get through to one bit and then maybe two or three will actually get through to the promotions. And then you've got Bobby Heenan saying, yeah, do you remember that time when um, me and Gene Oakland tried to sign up? He turned up in a wig. <laughs> he tried to get through the female dojos in Japan. It is just... <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. There's another uh, another rib later about yeah. I think that's um, you know, it, it, Mean Gene says something about yeah. That's how I lost my hair the first time, um, not the second time. Um, and it's just it's great stuff. Great match. Borna Connor is the biggest. She's the biggest woman in the match as well. But she's she's playing this monster heel, and she's laying waste to Suzuki and Azaki and. They eventually get the turn, and this is where I, I sort of like, I sort of sat up a little bit because I was watching this, and there was an re- the crowd went absolutely wild for a double half crab spot. Yeah. On you know from Suzuki on the, the hill. Yeah, on the on, yeah. Te- on the heel team, and I was like, where did it go wrong for women's wrestling in the mid nineties? Because people clearly wanted to, to be a part of it and take like take notice. Um. 
there's a very there's a there's a fucking there's a quick answer for that and it's the fact that the men that were in charge thought that all that the men fans wanted to see was tits and ass they didn't want yeah. to see apparently they didn't want to see women wrestling and i'm going to tell you right you might not like this but i'll tell you who actually has got to be responsible in some way for the divas and the wwf how it is now don't say moolah no no i was going to say moolah killed women's wrestling for a good 30 years um but it was tna it was the tna knockouts division had some absolutely fantastic wrestlers, had some absolute... Yes, we're talking... Oh, look at look at his face. Look. Look at his little face. <laughs> Anyone who can see this video podcast right now can see Jordan's little face. I mentioned TNA, and he's got, like, slapped-ass face. Listen, right? And he's paid. I reckon, I reckon Impact and TNA, Dixie, they're all paying him a little bit, a little bit of a backhander on the side. Dude. I ain't getting that Dixie Carter money, bro. I ain't getting that Dixie Carter money. What I will say is... He's holding the dirt sheet as well. I can see it. I've got the dirt sheet. I've got the rag sheet here, brother. (laughs) This is a fucking dinosaur. Um, No, at at a certain time when women's wrestling was a little bit... The the knockouts division, yes. The knockouts division, you had Gail Kim, absolutely fantastic talent. You had... Um, awesome Kong, you had, um, you know, Angelina Love, uh, Velvet Sky, um, them kind, you had uh, Mickey James in there, you know, TNA's women's division was great. Are we looking past the, that era of like, I think it was around about 2002, and maybe a little bit further on with Trish Stratus, Lita, Jazz, uh, Victoria, Molly Holly, are we, are we going... Because well, no, because we're, is... we're not. No, I agree that era there. But what what actually happened? The problem was that was I would say you're correct. That is the early resurgence of of women's wrestling. Okay, so you had, but still it was a little bit. They still had the bra and panties matches. Yeah. They still had that kind of cat fight. And then the problem was once once you got out of the the Lita. Trish Stratus kind of era, uh, the Jazz, the Ivories, the Victorias, um, the Jacqueline. Um, you were then, you had the fucking, the Divas that couldn't work. And, and the Divas... Did TNA not have that then? They, what, the Divas that couldn't work? Yeah. There was a couple that couldn't work. Um, but, you know, that you had the... You that WWF went too far with the models, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's there's a there's a story, dude. And I, I tweeted something on Twitter and it was to do with the whole speaking out thing. Who was there was a model that started wrestling for WWF, WWE, and she ended up killing herself and she the papers, um, her legal affidavit papers, she made a statement about something horrific that happened to her on a US Army base. Oh, where... actually, Masaro. Yeah, yeah. Was it Masaro? Yeah. Yes. She was part of a group of, of women wrestlers who, they weren't wrestlers, bro. 
they were brought in, they were models, um, and they were there for the, the face and the boobs and the bum. And they were made to wrestle and they did this and this. So women's wrestling has been a very much a roller coaster of, like you say, great late 90s, early 2000s. Then it went a bit modelly. And that, and then I think TNA brought it back again well, with the knockouts. That the WWF made Sable their women's champion. Over fucking Luna Vachon. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, and Luna, bless her, she was she she lived it, man. You know, I would have loved to have seen Luna with with the strap. Would have loved to have seen her wipe the bloody floor with Sable. And yes, I know Brock is probably Brock. listening to our podcast. You know, <laughs> come see me, Lesnar. Leave my leave my uh, my buddy out of this. You know, he just doesn't like TNA. But let's let's bring it back. Let's let's. All right, sorry. So, so you know, this, this yeah, match, and you know, women's wrestling should have got should have moved moved further on from this, and it didn't. Absolutely. And I mean, I would love to know who was to blame, just so we could call them out on it. But we won't. We won't know who was to blame. I, I don't think Eric Bischoff was probably to blame on this. I mean, he would have he would have seen the reaction they got. It was these these people. The they people the crowd were completely invested in this match, dude. And any fan of wrestling would be watching this. And it was quite obvious who the faces are, and it was quite obvious who the heels were. Very you know. But I'll tell you one person who really impressed me in this, Akira Hokuto. You know, she was some of the moves she was doing. You know, some of the high-flying stuff. I mean, Cutie Suzuki and um, Asaki were a, a great team as well. Worked really well together, like you say, the old double um, Boston Krabby kind That's of thing. Yeah, just, like, really made me, like... I was, I was into Good. it. Uh, the kind of Mr. Moonsault, which, you know, impressive, you know, in any... There was the... Yeah, there, there was the great half-Nelson suplex as well. There was an absolutely great move. That was Hokuto, I think, doing that. It was brutal. Brutal um, It was really good. I mean, and you had, you had at one point, you had Ball Nagano on the floor taking like six foot stomps from the top. Yeah. In a row, dude. And the crowd was hot on this, man. And this is the thing. There was no reason whatsoever that women's wrestling couldn't have kept going of course you know kept kept the momentum there was the talent there and and these four ladies really really you know they 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 in a way stole the show really i mean it was wrestling wise it was it was an absolute masterclass mate it was um, you know we obviously hope that people listen to this podcast and watch the event. But I really hope people do because as much as we said the main event was a bit dog shit, you know, we it was littered with really good matches. There was a good two or three really, really good matches on this card, mate. Really, really good. And yeah, we should it's difficult, like because we're gonna we're gonna have to move on from it, but like it's 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 baffling as to why it never moved on. Um they Hokuto and Nakano hit a doomsday device. It's and then Nakano hits a famed guillotine leg drop from the top. Yeah. It's, 
I mean, that is that looks brutal. It's impressive. Really good. Yeah, and they get the they get the free count, and it's a it's a brilliant match, and I would. It's definitely a well recommended match to just just for that. Just go back and watch that. Check really it. good, mate. Yeah, it's not it's not yeah. a not a super long match. It doesn't like you know drag you down. It doesn't like there's no no rest holds anything like that. It's just just an incredible piece of work. And yeah, hats hats off to them. Or hats off. Ric yep. Flair wigs yep. off to them. Yeah, Ric Flair wigs <laughs> and. Um, and Japanese masks. Yeah. I mean, all the costumes for these four ladies were fantastic as well. Paul yeah, Nakano's hair, straight up. Oh, you know, the masks, the outfits, beautiful. What kept that hair up? Unbelievable, mate. Faith yeah. alone kept that hair up. <laughs> mean Gene plugs his hotline again. Uh, he's with uh, Lex Luger and Jimmy Hart. Is um, Lex Luger our winner of the ICO Pro Award this week? It's funny you mentioned that. I was going to ask you, I've got Luger wins Jordan's ICO Pro Award for this week. I've got it written on my notes. I shit you not. Yeah, ICO Pro Award. It it goes to, I think it goes to Luger. He's ripped. We cover cover WrestleMania 11, which is 1995, and Luger is nowhere near as big in March or March slash April of 1995. We're in November and he's Absolutely massive. Like what? Yeah, is he? He's, he's been hitting those protein shakes, hasn't he? He's been on the nourishment. Oh, the yeah. only ones. He's, he's a. <laughs> he's a, Yeah, he's really been pumping that iron. Um, he says he's going to smash. Uh, sorry, Jimmy Hart says Lex is going to win the title in the uh, in the battle royal. Lex is going to smash Savage into a hundred pieces. Uh, yeah. Luger's probably never good, were they? No, Hart leaves Luger hanging as well. He's, He's got his hand up there for a high five. <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, he, I mean, he sort of like styles it out as though he's going to get the crowd to be quiet and keeps his hand up. Yeah. So, yeah. Fair play for doing that. He didn't like just like put his hand down really quickly and like look stupid, but. Yeah, Ico Pro Award winner for the week, Lex Luger. Um, I'm pretty sure he's going to win a few more. This we might have to call it the Lex Luger Award. <laughs> we, it, the honorary Lex Luger Award, you know, it's like, yeah. and and it is a weekly thing for us. Like every time we do one now, I think Jordan has easily coined it the Ico Pro Award. Definitely, oh, you've done yeah, well with that. And Luger has won it on a few occasions. It got taken from him uh, uh, by the Warlord. Um, it's oh, yeah, been... the warlord was, uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, the warlord was beefed out, but no, Luger, Luger wins it purely because he is probably the only mega jacked guy on this show. I mean, Max Muscle is there, but you see him for like two seconds, you never see him again, like, and that's yeah. it. So, Lex, congratulations, you know, another another win. Well done, empty sack Luger. <laughs> Shout out to my boy Danny and my boy Max on that one. Empty sack Luger. The US title match is Chris Benoit. <laughs> Chris Benoit, whose name is uttered in hushed tones around WWE Network these days. Um, Benoit against Kensuke Sasaki, who is our US champion. He beat Sting 10 days before the event in Japan. In Japan, and yeah. He's got Sonny Ono in his corner. 
good old Sonny. And he's also married to Akira Hokuto. Yes, well. that's right. That's uh, yeah, because Bobby Heenan was uh, making some quips about, you know, imagine being living next door to them. Yeah. And them to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> this match, um, it's not, it's not bad, but the crowd are asleep. Yeah. And that annoyed. Um, yeah, I, I, because um, Kensuke Sasaki is an absolutely fantastic performer. He's great. Um, he actually tag teams with Hawk from the Legion of Doom when he's in Japan. Yeah, they were the Power Warriors or something. Or yeah. Power Warriors or the Hellraisers? I can't remember which Hellraisers, one. Hellraisers, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they, I mean, it is an absolute, built like a brick shit house. Um, absolutely massive guy, very powerful. The way he just picks up Benoit and slams him, it is absolutely effortless. He just picks the guy up like he's nothing and just slams him, you know, really, very, it, it was a slow start, some really good wrestling in this match. Yeah, they were laying um, in those, uh, those chops, weren't they? Laying in the chops, dude. Um, and it was, it was that I mentioned some chops later on in another match that is coming up. Yeah. Um, but in in a in a worse way. Um, but okay. yeah, I mean, I hate to use this two the two the sorry these two next words in the same sentence. But there's a great suicide dive by Benoit. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, dude. He almost hits his head on the rail, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. It was yeah. it, it's the way he comes flying out with some right force. Can um, we call it a tope suicido, or is that the same thing? Yeah, it's the same thing, man. There's no getting away with it, you know. We, we if Benoit does a suicide dive, we have to call it that, unfortunately. But it, it was a, it was a great one. He nearly he nearly smacks smacks his head on the uh, on the rail, but uh, it's um it's it's a great move. Bobby Heenan, um, Bobby Benoit, um, Canada's greatest athlete, and that's got yeah. a knock on Brett, isn't it? It, it? it has to be, yeah, yeah. It's um. <laughs> Bobby Heenan, after talking with Sonny Ono, because there's a little, there's a side story that Bobby owes Sonny some money because he sold WCW Pro, which was the morning show, to Sonny Ono. And Sonny gets on the headset and says, oh, me and Bobby have worked out a new deal, you know, something to do with Starcade. And Bobby just turns to the camera and winks. It's crazy, yeah, it's because gold. he says, it's absolute gold the way he does it, the way he sells it. He goes, um... He goes, wait, 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 money means nothing to this great man and to the great people of Japan. It means nothing to me. Yeah. You know, and he gives the wink and it is just, <laughs> it is your prime, it is absolute gold, Bobby Heenan. You know what I might even do? I might even go back through this show, get that image of Heenan winking to the camera yeah. and make a bloody T-shirt out of it because i tell you what, it is absolute Bobby Heenan gold. What a man. Oh, we can't... Oh, I really miss Bobby Heenan, man. Really miss uh, him. Yeah. It's, um... This oh, is man. Partly, partially why we do this, because we do get to listen to some great stuff, including, you know, Bobby Heenan, you know, some of the other... Like, even, even Jerry Lawler has his moments. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not the biggest Jerry Lawler fan in general. Nothing to do with the fact that he... Uh, Hard me off at WrestleMania 24, but you know I moved. I moved on from it. I didn't. Like, I'm not bitter or nothing. Cheers, Jerry. No. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, that's yeah. We go back and we listen to some of this. It's absolutely even Jesse, Jesse the body had some great stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, we we continue. There's the the flying head, but I I winced when I saw that. I you know what? I've got a little I've got a little something I want to say about that. There there was a great reverse power driver, yeah. weren't there? Where basically got it up and then they reverse power driver and then. If, if, if anybody if anybody here has seen the dark side of the ring, the Chris Benoit dark side of the ring. Um, on, on Vice, sorry. On Vice, yeah. Um, and actually on Channel 4 in the UK, if you want to watch it, I think. Yeah, I don't know, not, is the second season up yet? I'm not sure, it, possibly. Um, but, but, but basically, in, in that documentary, they talk about this move. And they talk about all of the people that have done this flying headbutt move. Like they even said, even, you know, um, the Dynamite Kid even said to, to Benoit, I, I'm sure, like, yeah. don't do it, bro. Don't do not do this move. Um, and this is coming out of the mouth of his son. You know, he's saying, look, they told him, don't do this move because it will fucking kill, it will kill your neck. It will kill it will damage you, you know, and everybody who has done that flying headbutt from the top has in some way, shape or form either ended up being crippled or damaging themselves really, really badly. It is something that you're literally just, you know, you can't, I mean, and I mean, does it look good? Yeah. Um, it, it, I actually, it looks, I good, mean, like, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't look good, if you know what I mean. Like it just, there's just too much. Like, it's too much risk. With something like I that. tell you who I prefer. I prefer Bam Bam Bigelow's. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow did a nice um, headbutt. The, the, like, like falling. You almost, yeah, he almost fell into it. He didn't dive. That's correct. Yeah, he like fell into it, but because he's a bigger dude, he was more shoulder bumping it. Yeah. Or you know, it was. There was ba he wasn't basically landing on his head. Um, there was more. There was more to it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it 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 was tough to watch. I winced when because you can see Benoit wincing when he does it. This one, it was um, yeah. It it was yeah yeah. You <laughs> the old sharp intake of breath. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was one of them ones. And it's. I mean, this this is. Little thing that bugged me in the match because it's a, it's an okay match. Like it felt like it was just getting good, and then we get like this sort of spike, body slam driver type thing. The Mishinoku driver. It was yeah. like a Mishinoku driver. Like a Mishinoku driver, yeah. And uh, Sasaki gets the win and retains the retains the US title. And I mean, I felt bad for him because the crowd was snoozing on this, and I thought I thought this was where the crowd would. It probably just sort of peaked and just would fall away, but they they wake up later on, which doesn't. Yeah, I just, I just some crowds baffle me, but they went. Yeah, they obviously had a little popcorn and bathroom break during this. Maybe maybe it was after the women's match. Yeah, a little bit after the women's there. match, they probably thought, right, I need to go and have a go toilet and get a hot dog or whatever. Yeah, drink. Yeah. Um, Mean Jeans with Jimmy Hart, who's 
really prominent on this show. Uh, Jimmy Hart, uh, Kevin Sullivan, oh, Kevin Sullivan, and the Giant. And fuck me, Sullivan's a lousy promo. Yeah, I mean, at this he time, bored. he was Booker as well, weren't he? He bores me. And I hate to... I, I don't I hate to dump on people because we we love we love wrestling we love talking about how much fun we have but Kevin Sullivan is a snoozer. I don't get it. The guy's fight. He's guys like the same height as me, like five foot six, and he's. I think you've got an inch on him, bro. You got an inch on him. <laughs> he's giving it the the Billy Biggin, like to Hogan and all of those people that tower over him, and oh man, just it doesn't work for me. This whole demonic, you know, little bit of paint. He's wearing red and yellow as well. Like, what's the point? You ain't. Hope. They even they even mentioned that the only oh, man yeah. that ever wears red and yellow will be the Taskmaster. The um, taskmaster, what is he like? What is he in like some stupid computer game show or something? Like, even the yeah, games. <laughs> Games that is that is a quick shout out to the Games Master show from the UK. I reckon. Um, yeah, I'm, great stuff. I'm giving a plug to a couple more things later on as well. Uh, yeah, uh, Jimmy Hart says they're not scared. Giant starts ranting and raving. Giant is clearly the star of this pay per view on the heel side, anyway. And it doesn't work for me. Like Sullivan, yeah, is he booking it? Yes, he's already had his run-ins with Pillman, and or has he had the run-in with Pillman yet? I'm not sure. Uh, that is, it, it comes slightly later because that's when woman and um, Elizabeth are involved with yeah. the horseman. But I mean, it's, it's slightly annoying because they say, oh, he's the uncrowned champion because he, the, the, the giant, because the giant beat Hogan. Hogan. Hart had power of attorney. Just, signed just I'll contract. stop you there for a second. They they make a lot of outlandish claims about the giant in this show, and one of them is that he's the uncrowned champion. The other one that is he's the son of Andre. Yeah, and 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 it's fucking ridiculous how um how uh, Gene says your father would be so disappointed if he saw who you how you was acting now and who you were hanging around with. But yeah, as if right. As if, bro. Yeah. Um, you know, so he was the champion. Jimmy Hart signed a contract on, on Hulk Hogan's behalf because he had power of attorney. In the contract, it stated that, you know, if Hogan gets disqualified, then actually the Giant does win the title. And again, some kind of officials come out and bail Hogan out and ends up taking the title off the... Yeah. But that was setting up World War Three, I think, just to have the title as, as like the, the the carrot on the stick. Yeah, sure. Um, to be honest, because they had to get it off Hogan somehow, because well, he probably slept do, with it. The only other thing they would do eventually is make it, yeah, the winner becomes number one contender, like like the Correct. like the Royal Rumble, which for some reason, and I don't get it, like later on they bash the Royal Rumble, and it's the dumbest thing because the Royal Rumble is like. Apart from WrestleMania, it's the standout event in wrestling. Like it's it's an event that everybody loves and looks forward to. And yet, don't you found the time to make a knock on it? And it's like, 
you you've got a death wish, man. Like, why would you why would you try and suggest that your pokey World War Three three ring battle royal that you can't even produce properly is anything close to a Royal Rumble? I was ain't even close, dude. Yeah, no contest. But anyway, that's me ranting and raving. Yeah, dude, love um, it. Tony and Bobby plug Starcade um, that's coming up in December on a Wednesday night. Did they say? Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's a, you know who who knew like those stuff you do Wednesday night pay per views, you know before Taboo Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday in Texas. Yeah, we get a Savage and Luger promo video where you know they go on the history of what's happened there, where Luger joined the Dungeon of Doom, but did he really? I mean. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really work for me. Like Luger in the Dungeon, the Doom. He's got, he's he's only really there for himself, which you know he's not there to listen to Kevin Sullivan, is he? No, um, it was. It's a weird one because Luger just come in start of the Nitro, and you know he was friends with Sting. Sting was the only one, you know, he was the, he basically came out and made Sting take a hold off of. Flair at some point and Sting was the one that came out and made him take a hold off of you know Macho at one point weren't it you know and it was you know it it was a very confusing time in the storylines of what was going on and I don't know why it gets more confusing for a bit in this show Um, yeah Savage is with Mean Gene and we get a what it is is what it is what it is (laughs) And Luger's going to find out that he's a million percent. There's nothing wrong with his arm, even though it's taped up. Um, and 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 there ain't nothing wrong with his figure's arm either. Look at that. That's the that's the king, right? Macho King, 1989, WWF. Macho King, Randy Savage. And I only pull this out. I know it's a WCW show, but as you may or may not know, I don't buy WWE figures. I buy WWF figures. Um, your Jacks and your Haribos or whatever. Uh, Haribos? Hasbro. What did I say? Yeah. Hasbros. Um, but this is a Mattel, a 2017, but it's just because it's Randy. I had to get it and it's mint on card and I've had it a while now and it's just one of my favourite figures. Uh, I'll just, because I'll just add to this quickly. Um, WCW 95 <clears throat> isn't very... It's not out there in the UK. There's not a lot to go on. There's not a lot of... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's not a lot of like merchandise out in, out in the you know the UK sort of market. Even the videos were hard to get hold of. That's yeah, that's true. The, the videos are hard to get hold of. The action figure thing had died out since Galoob, which you know I, I I would love to stick a load of Galoobs behind us right now because I've got a you know, nice little group of them. You might have seen them on Twitter, but. Yeah, the WCW market really took a dip in the UK in the mid-90s. So there was nothing until TNT uh, TNT in the UK chucked Nitro on on a Friday night. And it came roaring back to us. So it's it's difficult to get any sort of UK-based sort of memorabilia from the mid-90s until probably I'd say 96. Yeah, you've got early... 
Yeah, you've got the, the, the late 80s, early 90s stuff up to about 92, where we could get the sticker albums. And then, like you say, it, we, we wouldn't really be able to get much until 96, 97. And then you've got your Marvel figures and your toy beers and your things like that that were coming through, yeah. Even the, uh, was it the old San Francisco Toy Company or whatever it is? Yeah, that's right, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I've got, I've found a couple of those, like, in the box, which was crazy i haven't put those out there yet but i will uh we'll show those off to anyone that wants to see it they'll probably go on twitter they might even go on instagram we haven't uh we haven't we haven't shown instagram a lot of love lately and maybe no we we, uh, we need to get our figures on there man at yeah. chat grapple pops on insta and yeah we but yeah there's memorabilia wise there's not a lot to go on for this era so that's why we've got mattel we've got a few other bits like and the macho man is is strong. You know, macho king. Macho man. Macho king, baby. What uh, it is is what it is. That's right. Um, it is Savage and Luger up next. Luger's with Jimmy Hart. The tassel game here. Savage. Tassels on the jacket and tassels on the on the tights. It is impressive. And again, I've got on my notes here that I I can put money that Luger wasn't as big here as he was at WrestleMania 11. That's something you can catch up on. If you haven't seen our WrestleMania 11 review, it is on the, uh, in the archive. Is uh, I, I thought our WrestleMania 11 review was one of our best episodes as well. Oh, and it hasn't got a lot of hits. Yeah. I mean, it'd be really nice if everyone could really go back and watch that one, because I thought it, I mean, WrestleMania 11 for Bam Bam LT uh, you know, but we we really enjoyed that. I know, that I know so a few people would blame Mongo because he was on the show, but he didn't really do a lot. No, it weren't his fault. We can't blame Mongo for that. We can blame him for a whole heap of other shit, but we can't really blame him for that. <laughs> we haven't got that um, Now, this match is a bit of a... For me, it's a non-starter. I don't really... Yep, I agree, dude. It was... Yeah, it, it, there really wasn't much to it. It was a bit shit, and it should have been It should have been better. Savage batters Lex Luger all around the ring, and like he hits him with the elbow, and there's zero reaction to it. The crowd are still snoozing. It was a terrible finish as well. I mean, yeah. um, you, you, you've got um, Bobby trying to hype it up, and he says another great line. He says... Uh, I might lose my voice for Nitro tomorrow, and I need that job. I'm uh, I'm supporting an orphanage in Guam. It's like you know, because he says, "Oh, I might lose my voice tomorrow tomorrow for um for for Nitro," and then Tony says, "Oh, it's all right. I'm sure we can get someone else to do it." He's like, "No, no, no, no. I need that job. I'm supporting an orphanage in Guam." Um, and it's just another one of them Bobby Heenan things that he just. You know, right on Bobby, man. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a minute to mention Jimmy Hart's spectacular jacket. Fantastic! He always face, had great own jackets. face on the back. It is, uh, yeah. We could only dream to have jackets like that. Um, Luger racks. He puts Savage in the torture rack outside the ring. Puts him in there for puts him in the rack for nine seconds. And like. They really ham it up on commentary that, oh, this is devastating. This is a torture act. Nine seconds. Luger jumps back in the ring, breaks the 10 count. He rolls Savage back in and puts him in a in an arm arm lock. And apparently yep. Savage has passed out. And the ref Terrible called, finish. Yeah. Like, 
It, it, yeah, it, 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 a non-match, a non-starter. Non it didn't really go over well with the crowd either. And Luger won't let go of this devastated arm lock that Savage is sleeping to. And Sting comes out to talk him to talk him out of it and let him make him let go. And it it just yeah, it doesn't go over well. I mean the crowd react to see Sting because it's Sting. And he's for me the top guy in the company. But that's for me, that's my judgment on that. Um and you would think with Savage now being a kip and out of it, that he wouldn't make it to the Battle Royal. We would be wrong. <laughs> and, a, and a quick uh, shift of papers, you would be wrong. Um, and we move on. Uh, yeah, there's a video promo for Sting and Flair. And this is uh, my, my notes here that just says, all I took from this, that people were clamoring for a baby-faced Ric Flair. They wanted Flair to take over. He's getting cheers in the. I mean, I mean, he does he does the job for Arn Anderson in a really good match at Full Brawl, which went over a treat in WCW country. Yeah, yeah, he aligns with a little bit with Sting, and he, you know, him and Sting work a couple of tag matches, and the fans are really into him as a babyface. And then he turns heel, which is probably like excellent moved by Flair because they're getting into the pinnacle of being a babyface could be the most over guy in the company, arguably. You know, More Hogan, over than Hogan. Hogan's not getting those cheers, yeah. Um, the Ric Flair cheers are just something else in that sort of, in those, that WCW sort of catchment area. Like they love the Four Horsemen, they love Flair and all, they love him to bits and it's just, yeah, so maybe him turning heel on Sting is was a stroke of genius. I don't know. But we get to the match and yeah, Rick's purple robe. That's... I've got... Yeah. I've got Flair looking perfect in purple. Yeah. And I'm going to say this about Sting. It gives it what gives it a bit back with the gold, blue and white. It's a beautiful... He's looking phenomenal. Yeah. He's great jacket. Very sparkly. The tassel factor is through the roof. Yeah, tassels on the jacket. Yeah. Uh, they start off, you know, Flair runs into ring two. Um, and the, the fans in that area of ring two go absolutely mad. He's strutting in ring two. Yeah. He's fucking, <laughs> he's, he's just, he's, he's begging that's great. Him. And I mean, would we be exaggerating if we said these two wrestled over a thousand times? I mean, close to it, dude. I mean, the amount of times they did wrestle, we were allowed to exaggerate. It was, I mean, yeah, it, but, it's weird. But there's also another weird thing that happens in this match. Um, two people show up at ringside and kind of take a little bit away. Um, I don't think they take away from any of this. I think they just sort of stroll out and go and sit further back. I don't think it takes anything away from it. No, yeah, no. I mean, I, I like both of the characters. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's um. Should we tell them who, who come out? Uh, yeah, we can do. Um, I've just got this bit here, like, that, yeah. Uh, could Sting and Flair have worked with their eyes shut with each other? Yes. Flair possibly. Will always, Flair will always say that Steamboat is his favorite opponent, but I mean, how many times did he work with Sting? Like, it's they just yeah, it's so so smooth even for someone who like when they said oh steam couldn't work and all that rubbish 
it's yeah, it's, it's they just work together beautifully, and I I got no problems in watching them over and over again. Heenan Heenan's the main cheerleader for Rick. He even lets off a woo, like uh, he does woo, yeah. Uh, and this is the problem with Flair in the mid nineties. He's getting cheers. It doesn't work. Flair being this big heel because he's just. I know it's Ric Flair and you can say what you want about him, but he's too damn likeable. He is. He's got too much charisma. Yeah. Even though, you know, Sting is no selling his chops, dude. He's no selling the the the, the Flair chops. And Flair is still getting pops and that. Like, yeah. you know, it's, you know, even... even the, 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 I always liked it. I always liked the part of the match where Sting would no sell the chops. I thought it made it, you know, it's not, it's nothing like Hogan no selling a Vader bomb or something like that. It's or a tombstone. Yeah. yeah. That is beyond ridiculous. Like Sting no selling something like a chop or a punch or something like that. Just it works perfectly. But yeah, don't, he's not overdoing it. He's not no selling, you know, a tombstone. <laughs> but oh, Hogan. Yeah, this, um, the fans have woken up. They've come alive for this. You know, their alarm clocks went off because they realised that Flair and Sting were out and it wasn't Lex Luger. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, we get a comment from Bobby Heenan because uh, Sherry and Colonel Rob Parker turn up. They walk out together. They have a little kiss and then they walk back and go and sit down. It, it's funny. Uh, Tony says, yeah, I think, they've, I think they've got an announcement. And Bobby goes, no, she can't be. <laughs> As if she's pregnant. And it's just, but just just off the cuff stuff, man. It's really good. Well, when, when they first walk out, Heenan says it looks like the top of a wedding cake. Yeah, it's great. Um, and yeah, it's, it's things sell, no selling those chops. He's, you know, they're working really well together. Flair hits a low blow on Sting and Heenan calls it a nerve reaction. Yes, great. I've got that written down as well. It's like, no, no, sir. No, you know. It, and this is where this is where Heenan also says, um, because Flair grabs a chair and then the referee pulls it off Flair, and then Heenan's like, No, someone's got to do something. I could get hurt down here. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> good stuff. Flair knew, Flair obviously does it week in, week out at this point. He knows how to work a knee over. The chop block is executed perfectly. Good stuff. And he puts on the figure four and he slaps Sting in the face and that wakes Sting up. Sting yeah. gives up on selling the figure four and comes alive. The fans, are in, they're really into this. And this is where I'm going to stop and ask you a question. Go. Is Sting better than Hogan? Oh, dude, you, you asked me this question. I think because I was, I, I have been known in our previous episodes to be a little bit meh on Sting. You have. Because I see Sting and Hogan as similar kind of characters where they're the face of the company and they. I mean, is Sting better than Hogan? Wow. It, it's subjective, I suppose. Um, is he a better wrestler? Probably. Um, oh, man. 
tough question, dude. Um, me personally, I could. Oh, I don't know, man. It's such a tough question, mate. I, I would, I would say I preferred watching Sting's matches. He's had better matches with people than Hogan has. So, so yeah, I'll apologise to you now for it, or just I'll well, just wait and just see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, no, I I I prefer watching Sting to Hogan probably. Yeah, he's had better matches with people, I think. But the um, question the question I sort of ask myself is: Could Sting have prospered in late eighties, early nineties federation? And the answer is easily yes. Easily, yes. I mean, he knows how to work a crowd. He's got a great promo. He can, you know, he can definitely work in the ring. Dude, I think him and Warrior would have been a, a great tag team in 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 those days, and they could have feuded and stuff. And then one of them could have been great, and the other one would have been shit like the Rockers. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> but, yeah, sorry, I I had to ask that question to you. Um, no, I, and, and it's a fair one because they are similar characters, but I just think on the scope of it, Hogan's matches were very, very similar all the time. And and I know I've said previously, it, this match is just another Sting match. And, it, it you know, his matches can be very formulaic where he does the same things, you know, but Sting has a more varied, he has had better matches with different types of people. Um, and I think maybe because he's had quite a good matches with Flair as well. He has had some good matches with with uh, the man. I'm going to shout out Ric Flair's um, his engine as well, because even towards the end of the match, he's still charging around. He's working at, you know, 80 miles an hour. It's just nonstop. Like, and they said like he could work 60 minutes, like standing on his head. And you've got to believe him. Flair just just does not stop. And it's, it's and, hell of a work rate. And anyone who's been in a ring will tell you wrestling ain't easy. You can be blown up in five minutes, dude, in three minutes. Yeah. You know, you do a few, you know, it, it these guys make it look easy. And the fact that they're having matches and then going on to this World War Three, 60 men, three rings. Three giants, one battle royal. You know, man, 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 man. These guys, the uh, you know the the fitness level of these guys. Yeah. You know whether and they partied hard. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll get on to partying later on because I've got a little bit where I need to ask a question whether someone was on the powder, but. <laughs> yeah. probably the answer is yes I don't even need to fucking know who or when Sting hits a superplex and puts on the Scorpion Deathlock for a very clean win and yeah. again like just a really good match like we've had some bad ones and we've had some really good ones and I liked it it was a good match good match uh, Tony and Bobby talk about a condition of the guys who've already worked during the show we get a video promo for the Battle Royal uh, and we've got you know, how we got to this point. We've already spoke about it already. Um, there's the bit where it says the son of Andre um, about a giant. Um, yeah. They've got, they've got, they're selling this three rings, three giants, but the giants are the Yeti, 
for the Yeti, yeah, the Yeti, I'll say it as they say it, the Yeti, the Giant, and Hogan. Yeah. Hogan's not a giant. He's a big dude, yes. Yeah. But, you know, one man gang's bigger than him. Yeah, the gang's in there as well. The gang, um, and he makes it through quite quite far and all. Um, Hogan is with Mean Gene. He's showing off the pythons. Mean Gene's getting very excited. Oh, dude, he's like, show me the pythons. He's show not, me them. I mean, Look at this man. He's not getting as excited as he does when woman is around. But I mean, who would? Yeah, yeah he's pitching his tent. <laughs> he's, yeah, pole voting as he. Um, Hogan takes a little aim at Sting and Savage and every man for himself. And this is where he rips on the Royal Rumble. And I just I just put here, okay, Hulk, like, you know, take your shot. It's not, it's not going anywhere. This match. Yeah. I'm gonna take a page out of Bobby Heenan's book when he said they were trying to compare Ric Flair's championship belt to Hogan's, and it's like comparing ice cream to horse manure. Because the World War Three Battle Royal is your horse manure, and yeah, you get the picture. Yeah, dude, yeah. Um, it, and yeah, he drones on. It's Hulkamania this, you know, the power of the Hulkamaniacs that, and I give up on it. I just thought, yeah, same old promo for Hogan. Blah, Dead. Yeah. Yep. Um, Hogan's nameplate is still on the belt, though, when Heenan has it at ringside. <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. Know. Feel the weight of this, Tony. And yeah, I saw that it said Hulk Hogan, and it's like, and if you're watching that live, you're getting worried that it's going back to Hogan. I mean, and you would, you wouldn't, you'd be forgiven to think that it would be going back to Hogan because, because it's this, you know, repeated narrative that fucking wherever Hogan goes, he even calls it my belt, my yeah. belt all the time. It's my belt. You know, and. The years that follow, even right through to 99, he still has the belt. So, <laughs> um, Ring 2 has Eric Bischoff and our director of Mud Holes, Dusty Rhodes, as a team. Uh, yeah, and ring, dude. ring 3 has Chris Cruz and Larry Zabisco um, calling. But I will, I have a problem with all of that and I will get to it. But here we have the 60 men taking part in this battle royal. And I'm I did write them down. I'm going to try and get them through them quickly. I haven't got enough fingers, dude. You can't... Sorry. <laughs> can, you get, can you get your toes up on there as Don't well? Don't get me toes out, yeah. Okay. In, in the order they walked out, it's Arn Anderson, Alex Wright, you know, Das Wonder Kid, uh, Brian Nobbs, someone called Ricky. I didn't What, get... Bianca? Yeah, maybe. There's an EastEnders uh, reference for anyone who watches that. Uh, Dave Taylor representing the UK. Um, he is apparently the Great Britain champion, Dave Taylor. Did he win Did he yeah. win a tournament in Rio de Janeiro? Who knows? That's <laughs> right. Uh, Scott Armstrong, Sting, Joey Maggs, Pistol Pez Watley, Disco Inferno, Ming, Stevie Ray, Mark Starr, whoever he is, Buddy Lee Parker, James Earl, whoever he is, Lex Luger, Eddie Guerrero, Cobra, who you ask, I don't know. Uh, the giant Paul Orndorff, Canyon. Canyon makes a rare appearance. Bobby Walker, again, not sure. Bobby Eaton's there, or Earl Robert, as they call him. Earl Robert. Chris Benoit, Randy Savage, Buff Bagwell, or Buff Bagwell, sorry, Marcus Bagwell. The Yeti, who looks like Scorpion from. He does. Oh, he God. looks completely different from the mummy from outfit the he was wearing. The... You know, he looked like bloody Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. 
Yeah. Uh, Kurosawa, Hugh Morris from the Dungeon of Doom, Zodiac as well, Yes No Man, um, or from Ed Leslie's Box of Tricks, VK right. DDP, Scott Norton, Brian Pillman, Pitbull Pittman, Craig Pitbull Pittman. I'll get to him later. One Man Gang, Super Assassin 2, which made me worried then we didn't have a Super Assassin 1, but he gets to it. <laughs> JL, which was Jerry Lynn under a hood. Uh, Bunkhouse Buck, Kensuke Sasaki, Mike Winner. Ever heard of him? <laughs> but he no. sounds like a winner. Yeah. Uh, the Shark, uh, Steve Armstrong, Hawk from The Road Warriors with no animal. Very strange. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Sullivan, Scotty Riggs, Johnny B. Bad, someone called Big Train. I'm pretty sure Bobby Heenan called him the janitor. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a geezer in overalls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve Regal, Dirty Dick Slater, Max Muscle, Super Assassin One. He made his way in. Uh, Brother Fidel. Who you ask? I don't know. Uh, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, Sags from the Nasty Boys, Duggan, Jim Duggan, Booker T, Bubba Rogers, Ric Flair, and finally, our immortal hero, Hulk Hogan. You've, you've missed some people. Have I? Yeah. Black Bart was one of them. Black Bart was in there? But he called it something else Bart. Buckside Bart or something like Bunkhouse that. But it was Black... Bunkhouse Bucks there, yeah. Don't oh, no, yeah. All right. I thought you said, yeah. And also... um. Well, the, the, one of them, you know, uh, the power plant, the WCW power plant. What, Buddy Lee Parker, yeah. So you've got the Sarge, yeah, Sarge who's there Sarge. as well. Yeah. Buddy Lee, yeah. Buddy Lee, yeah. So it's really funny to see him in wrestling mode as well, because you what, see but, him in various other documentaries. He works a big-time big sort of jobber in the early 90s. You'd see him on Saturday night a lot. But, yeah, he's uh, he is the head trainer. He was the head trainer of the power plant. He does some unspeakable things to poor Louis Theroux. Yes, he does. I was going to mention Louis Theroux. Documentary, yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael Buffer does his catchphrase, gets a lot of money for it. Um, And here we go. And this is the the first three words I've got on my notes. What a clusterfuck. Well, it's it's a quarter of a million pounds of muscle and mayhem. Jordan. True. Um, I mean, it was never going to be. Do you know one of the greatest moments that probably one of, if not the best moment of this match, right? You've got Michael Buffer in the ring announcing, okay, surrounded by wrestlers. And you've got the fantastic Stephen Regal behind him, just like looking all around, like, you know, trying to cover his back and just, absolutely selling this like working, this yeah. moment yeah it is it is prime Stephen Regal is absolutely fantastic and um that was one of the moments um and dude right how uh how uh what's the word how arrogant can Hulk Hogan get by literally the bell rings okay Everything's kicking off. This is an over-the-top rope elimination match. And within three seconds, Hogan's pushed someone in the corner and he's climbed up to the top rope and he's pounding someone on the top. All someone has to do is push his ass and he's out, right? It's just like, come on, like, try and sell it, dude. Like, try and, like... But he just had to get himself above. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, can you see the psychology of it? It's not well, even within. I'll get to the psychology of it in a bit because I've got. You know, within seconds, he has to elevate himself above everyone. Um, Sorry. Fucking hell. We get to my personal favourite of a WCW sort of era uh, multi screen cameras. Instead of two, like in their tag team tornado matches, they've got three just to make me feel better. I've, I've got on here as well, Jordan's going to love the three screens. Yeah. I'm actually good. <laughs> if two is good, then why not have three? It's fucking awful. <clears throat> you, can't, you can't see what's going on anyway. Um, uh, here we go. Is, is Eric Bischoff on the older uh, marching powder here? I, I mean, probably, man. Um, you know, it, was he... He's not selling meat out the back of a truck anymore, is he? Well, I, um, I, I think he was out back with limo rickshaw, but probably <laughs> he's probably uh, the American Gene Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> um, his jacket, Dusty Rhodes's jacket, is fantastic in this as well. It's Ready. got the MJ number. Um, I, I just thought you'd need to be on coke to book this. You couldn't. It's it's utter horseshit. This, this the, whole idea of a match. It's impossible to follow, dude. Even, yeah. even as, a, as someone watching it and trying to follow, you're always going to miss everything that's going on somewhere. Um, and I've got in my notes, you know, there's so much getting missed. The Yeti gets eliminated within the first 10 seconds, but that's we don't find out yeah. until we see him walking around the ring. And then he gets up on the apron and he's like screaming in someone's face. Um it's, I mean, what was the point? They were playing it up, three giants, one in each ring. How does the first giant get thrown out within 10 seconds and everyone misses it? Well, it's, I would imagine they would have all ganged up on him to throw him out, but you wouldn't have seen it because it's... No, but this is the thing. It got missed, something that big. And, you know, I've got on my notes, it's literally impossible to make notes. Now, I've compared this to something and our British sports fans slash viewers will get it our american viewers might not our american you know or other other listeners from around the world it was like listening to five live on a saturday afternoon because they were passing it between commentators to go right and now we're going to go to eric and dusty it's like that on a saturday afternoon when they say oh there's been a goal at you know ellen road yes right here's, here's our reporter here jimmy no mates you know telling us all about it. It was like, you could have just listened to it on the radio because you can't see nothing. I was like... No, it, the, the, the cameras are static on rings two and three. But also, do you know what annoyed me, dude, as well? The way they had it set up on the screen. So as you're looking at the screen, you've got two on the top row and then one on the bottom. But ring one was the one in the middle at the, at the bottom when really it should have gone one, two, three. Yeah. You know, it was just confusing. But they had ring one in the middle and then two and three at the top. It was just, it, you know, uh, one thing that he did catch, um, Canyon took a savage bump to the outside when he got eliminated. He literally took a back bump over the top and landed yeah. on his back on the outside. Horrible looking um, Eric Bischoff gets super excited for Mark Starr being eliminated. Yeah, I think yeah. he is on the old um, Colombian marching powder. It's Mark Starr's big moment, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't, they, 
Now, I'm, I'm playing, you know, Booker's advocate for just a second. They could have done a gauntlet-style Royal Rumble with 30 people because half of these names nobody knows or cares about. I mean... Yeah. How, how many matches do you remember seeing Bobby Walker in? It, it was... Or Cobra. Was, it, it was... <sighs> It was pointless having this many. You could have done it with, you could have done it with twenty in two rings. Wouldn't have been too bad. Um, and then you could have got Joey Max was being jobbed out in the early nineties. In nineteen ninety five, he's in the middle of a title shot. What is going on? It's the beautiful madness we like to call mid nineties WCW, dude. <laughs> It is that beautiful madness. Um, and who was Brother Fidel? <laughs> like, it's again, I have no answer for you, dude. It was the whole premise as well is when, 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 when one ring gets down to a certain amount of people, they will then go into another ring. That's ring one, and then into you know, and trying to get the the referee trying to get the guys. To go, I mean, Luger got eliminated really quickly, and then he just snuck back in because the referee didn't see it. Yeah, but you wouldn't have known because you didn't see it. That's right, but only because we got told. Um, and this is nice, like Luger and Arn Anderson are battling out at ringside. It's hard enough for these cameras, and like the production's a shit show now. It's gone. You, you've yeah. lost it. And now you've got people at ringside going at it as well. They're trying to follow that. And it's just, what can you, yeah. what else can you do to make this worse? Luger didn't spend any time in the ring, really. No, he was. Luger spent like, the majority of the time on the outside. Um, Eric and Dusty sign off from their bit, their, their, their ring's done. And so is Cruz and the Tabisco. Um, we did finally down to one ring. And thankfully, one hard camera just. But in the midst of that, Craig Pitbull Pittman puts someone in an arm bar. Um, Fucking idiot. How's that going to get him over the top rope? Well, there's a point as well where uh, Eddie Guerrero does like a load of crazy moves where there's literally, they're packed like sardines in the fucking ring. And you've even got Arn Anderson doing a spine buster on someone. You've got Eddie Guerrero doing like drop kicks and landing on people and doing all these really weird moves and stuff in the ring where you've got no room to move. And it's like, I mean, fair play. It was it was good stuff. But there is there is a mention of Dave Taylor being the Great Britain champion. Who did he beat? The Queen. I'll take that. Um, (laughs) You got dinner or submit the Queen? Maybe it was Prince Philip. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) Scott Armstrong was stretched out. No idea why. Dude, but I was gonna. This is a question I had for you. Do you know if that was legit or not? Because if it's not legit, what was the point in getting those EMTs out there? There was enough going on already. I think why it, was- it had to be legit, bro. It had to be legit. But then again, if it was legit, you had dude, you had <laughs> it was making me laugh, right? You had these these fucking ambulance men, these EMTs coming down to put this guy in the stretcher, but then you had wrestlers like jumping over him and like doing crazy stuff, and like one of them almost gets a boot to the face <laughs> where you've got stuff going on around the ring, and it's like 
I thought it must have been legit because there was no reason. I mean, I because we didn't see what had happened, and I thought maybe he did land dodgy on his neck or something outside yeah, or whatnot. On his you neck know, or shoulder or something. It looked like his arm. That's right. Yeah. Front. So I thought he might have. Yeah. So I thought, right, it must be legit. But if it was legit, then these guys are like literally fighting and brawling over the EMTs. And it's like poor EMTs, men just brawling around them. You know, it's like absolute mayhem it was, dude. It was, oh, dude, it was mayhem. And I just, yeah, like, what, what can you, what can you say about this? I mean, this is one of the, I mean, we said this about the Chamber of Horrors. This is one of the worst matches I've ever seen. Yeah, and 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 the finish don't get no better. No, um, Bobby Heenan tries to guide us now. Bobby Heenan even points to the bottom left part of our screen to tell us where people are fighting, like because Heenan probably knows that this match is a fucking shit show. Yeah. Um, Hogan dumps uh, Sullivan out. I'm surprised Sullivan could get over the top rope. Um, <laughs> Savage and Luger are going at it in the... They're having their own little match again. Like, Luger's just not getting in the ring. Uh, DDP and Johnny B. Bad eliminate each other as if their feud wasn't finished. Or I mean, you would hope there was a long-term booking, booking strategy, but who knows? Of course there wasn't. Yeah. Don't be silly. <laughs> Hogan, Hogan drops out. Hogan drops Hawk, Sasaki, and Orndorff in rapid succession. Hogan is just yeah starting to take over the match. I think, dude. Very quickly, on our last episode, we spoke about and um, we spoke about Paul Roma. Yes. In the nineties, where was he? And I saw a photo of him in the early nineties, nineteen ninety ninety one. Um, in WCW, and he was with Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful, and they were called Pretty Wonderful. Pretty Wonderful, yeah, jeez. And it was my Ooh. friend, shout out to Max, not the Hulk Hogan, who, after, whilst during watching our podcast, messaged me and said, Yeah, it was Pretty Wonderful, pretty and it wonderful. was Paul Orndorff. Um, just a quick for one for Max. Whenever we say Hogan and we say Hogan is a bitch or something like that, we're definitely not talking about you. Like, just always remember that. We're talking about Terry, not you. Yeah, we're not talking yeah, we're talking about Terry Hogan. We're not talking about Max and not the Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And also he keeps threatening me if we're late with the podcast, he's gonna come around and chop the shit out of me. And uh he said he's he's got a dodgy knee, but he said he can still hold my puny weight and um and and damage me so well, that, shout out to maximus that's your uh that's your problem to bear chris i think uh <laughs> I, I might just be late one one day just like one week just like just have a couple of days off yeah so max can come around and give you a couple of chops <laughs> he fucking will as well man shout out to maxi um number one fan arn anderson hits that spine buster i mean it's a great spine buster on eddie guerrero and um, always yeah and but then Flair and Flair and Arn get put out by this weird combo. It's like a Flair goes to the top rope, which is inexplicably stupid anyway. A slingshot from Sting on Arn into Flair sends Flair off packing. Then Hogan sticks his nose in and thinks, you know what, I haven't eliminated enough people in this match yet. Yeah. He lines Arn out and and just because you know Hogan still hasn't eliminated enough people. 
He dumps out Sting, Giant, and Luger. It, it's it's fucking ridiculous. Um, I would have loved, and not just because I love Ric Flair or loved Ric Flair, um, I would have loved to have seen Flair win this. I would have loved to have seen, after all the bickering going on with the um, Dungeon of Doom and Hogan and you know everybody else, that in the midst of that, the Horsemen would just literally engineer it where you know, Flair would end up winning it. And, you know, it would just, I, I, I would have loved it. I to find how the groups did so badly in this show. Yeah. <laughs> the Horsemen, the Dungeon of Doom, the tag teams. Like, no one made the effort to team up. I think at one point, you know, Hugh Morris tur- tried turning on the Giant and the Giant just chucked it him out. That's correct. I mean, even the Nasty Boys didn't even really work together. They were, they were the only ones I noticed that did work together for a little bit. Yeah. And actually, Hawk and... Um, yeah, Sasaki. Hawk, yeah. And, yeah, and Sasaki worked together very briefly. But, where you've got, point, like, Brian were, Hill. They were chopping the shit out of each other. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's nuts. Um, but, yeah, yes, the end was, of this match, bro. It was a big pop for Hogan dumping out Steam Giant and Luger. I think mainly because of the Giant and Luger, they were heels and stuff, but Giant then pulls Hogan under the bottom rope. And off camera, I can't stress this enough, off camera, Savage gets rid of the one-man gang who survived to the end. Shout out to the one-man gang, still doing it. Yeah, man, a king. (laughs) (laughs) I can't stress this enough, it was off fucking camera. It was. It, it, this is the because again, the camera is focused on fucking Hogan. It is focused too much on Hogan getting pulled underneath the rope, and, and it misses the last man getting dumped over the top of the rope, and the referee giving it the ding, 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 and holding up Macho Man's hand. Even, it is on, even when the bell rings, the camera shot is on Hogan. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, you know, Randy Savage, Master Man Randy Savage is the winner. Um, Hogan immediately gets in, starts complaining, and Bobby Heenan just says, Who cares? Like he's referring to Hulk. My problem here how have they only got one referee in charge of a whole battle royal? And dude, the referee was in the midst of it inside the ring, getting pushed around, shoved. Like he was in the midst of it. Oh, I'm 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 surprised he didn't catch a, a stray elbow or something. Like, and it was was it Randy Anderson? It was Pete, yeah, Randy Anderson, bless him. Um, but there was only one ref in like even around ringside. One ref. It was nuts. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm not sure what the hell was going on. Like, did the other ref just take off and think, oh, let's get a get an early beer? Like, they spent they spent more money on Johnny B. Bad's fireworks than they did for referees in this final match yeah um bobby heenan's great he's shouting at hogan quit begging you know quit begging and belly aching you little brat he calls it <laughs> it's really good stuff um we only talked last week about hulk hogan's complaining and being a bitch yeah here it is again He's crying off to anyone that will listen. You know, he keeps pulling himself under the rope to show us that's what happened. Yeah. And, you know, Bobby Heenan is, is gold here. He's, he's telling him to, you know, quit whining, quit complaining. Mean Gene jumps in the ring pretty quickly. 
I think the crowd aren't sold on this. Like, there's mixed reactions to both Hogan and Savage. Hogan's still complaining, you know, and uh, he says they're going to settle it on Nitro and watch the tape. Savage says he needs to see the tape of what happened. Well, they couldn't queue it up there and then. I mean, can you imagine for a moment how much of a pop it would have been if Flair would have won compared to this dead-ass ending of this? Well, I mean, you wouldn't want to call it like a, like reliving anything or a rehash or nothing like that, but hell, a Rumble 92 win, like finish would have been perfect. It's... um. But- it still it still bugs me that Hogan's not even doing a fucking job in a battle royal. He's not that's right going over a top rope. He's going under it. Like, give me a break. Like, yeah, just it's get over the top rope, man. I I I I like WCW for many reasons, but one of the reasons is that they were never scared to let heels have gold. You know, they were never scared to let the heels have a little bit of a run with things you know and they never you know because it's it's been a thing where they talk about you know oh i think Shawn michaels has been known to say it's like oh no you know in ww oh we do different we do things differently here you know where literally it's always the faces that always and people never really get that the hills never really get the gold or they never really you know they never yeah yeah, they never get a, a, a crack of it. And it's like they're always going for that cheap payoff of the face in the ring, giving it the fucking, you know? And it, the thing for me was with WCW, where they were never scared to let the heel have the belts. Well, um, yeah. and, and, you know. So just have to look back in, in title history, yeah, like, you know, Vader and Flair and, you know, that stuff. Like, it's... Yeah, this, that's, that's that's a fair point. They, and that's why I like it, you know? They end, like, Savage lets off an, oh, yeah, you know, towards the end. And for some reason, Hogan does it as well. That vexed me as well. It's like you're stealing the man's catchphrase now. You have to take his heat. You have to steal his heat. What, like, it's just the Hogan show, and it's... Oh, I can't stand. Yeah, I couldn't stand it. Like the end of it was just, I just run out of patience. And but Bobby Heenan, you know, caps for me caps it off and says, much like Jack Tunney. Well, I've, I've got it. Much like Jack Tunney told us last week, the referee's yep. decision is final. That's right. And Get over he, it, Hogan. Before, before Heenan can sign off properly, he says, "Oh, they've got champagne back there." Yeah. He does the he does the Heenan exit, you know. It's and this is why we love Heenan because he's he doesn't just stick to the you know oh I'm gonna see, you know he does the Heenan thing he lives it and he's like oh hey they've got champagne over there and literally takes his headset off and throws it and leaves Tony Schiavone there and you know Tony does Tony Jack, sign off. Jack Tunney told us last week at Survivor Series '91, referee's decision's final. Get over it. Absolutely. You know, luckily we didn't have some. You know, yes, man, like Tunney giving Hogan a title shot straight away the next, the following Tuesday. But yeah, that's I mean, that's the end of it. And you know, we get a so long from Norfolk, Virginia, from Tony, and roll credits, executive producer Eric Bischoff. That's right. Yeah. Um, what did you think? 
of the show overall. Yeah. I mean, like I say, this is the second time. Uh, and I finished watching the rest of it this morning. The second time I watched the pay-per-view in about three months because I was watching, I was doing the whole Nitro thing. And yeah, I mean, it was it was a good show. There was some good matches in it, some really good wrestling. But again, it 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 turned into the Hulk Hogan show. And it, it, it kind of, if only, if only he was more willing to, to work a bit more with people, it would have made it a lot more exciting and it would have made it a lot more, or, you know, or what's going to happen, what's going to happen rather than we know Hogan's going to end up with the fucking strap at some point. Yeah. You know, what's what, why not just, build it up and build it up and build it up where he just gets getting beat down. And then that pop, because then people will start feeling sorry for him. But we, you could never feel sorry for Hogan. Well, in, you in, know, in an was, ideal world, he would keep getting beat down. Until, yes. Until, until that July of 96, where he says, you know what? I've got my buddies here to help me now. Yeah. You know, what do we know? We're not bookers, so. I mean... Not yet, anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a good show. I mean, how about you? You enjoy it? I, there were some really good, really good parts. Like I said, I struggle with things like poor production. I struggle with things like multi-cameras, setups, and, you know, overly gimmick matches like tape fists and stuff. You know, it's, it's harder to watch, like, when it's bad, but they sprinkled it in with some good to excellent stuff, and it's it's watchable. The whole show is watchable. I I would definitely recommend that people go and watch some of these matches at least. And if you think if you think we're over egging it on the the main event, then go back and watch it and tell us what you think. It, it's true because we I mean we're not over it. It it, it wasn't great. It really wasn't, but it's worth a watch. Just you know, as to cap off, cap off the pay per view. Yeah. Not a bad pay per view overall, um, but yeah, it was just a ridiculous main event. And I guess that that would be it. That would be us wrapping this one up. It's another one in the books. Another one in the book. Another one in the bag. Uh, another notch on the bedpost, Ooh. as it were. <laughs> and we um, we haven't we have decided that uh, next our next episode is going to be back in the attitude era of the WWF. We haven't decided which show for sure, but you know, attitude is attitude. You know, people love that stuff. I know we yeah do, so yeah we uh I mean I'd like to personally finish off by saying thank you to anyone that's stayed awake as usual, still watching, still listening, still having fun with us, still laughing and joking. You can, you know, go back and check our archives on YouTube or on all of the other listening devices that Chris, I'm sure, will reel off for me any minute now. But absolutely, also remember, like and subscribe. Send us a comment if you've listened or watched. Tell us if you like it. Tell us if you hate us. I don't care if you like us or hate us. It's fine. Just like it, comment, subscribe, you know, hit the notification. That way you'll find out exactly when we're on. 
you know, you'll, you'll get the little, little shout on your phone the minute we come online for our next episode. Or take the notification button off and just wait for me to tell you about it on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> yes, do that. But please, guys, yes, please subscribe. We are building up a little package for our giveaways. We are going to be doing, when we get to that 1,000 subscriber giveaway, we oh, will there'll be, we, there'll be a hell of a giveaway. A hell of a. Oh, it will be a hell of a giveaway. We will, um, we will so, collaborate on that, like with some of Chris's bits, some of my bits, and we'll just, yeah, we'll have a. Hell, we might even have a second place giveaway, you know. Dude, we can even do a one, two and a three, but we just, yeah. we really want to get to that 1,000 subscribers. We really, really, I mean, we, like we said at the beginning of the episode, we can't thank everybody enough. Our last episode is our most watched episode. And um, we really thank everyone for that. So if everybody that watched that, please just subscribe. Everybody who watches this, please just, and like Jordan's saying, it costs nothing to subscribe. Just tap that little bell uh, down there. Tap that little bell and um, tap we bell, will be you might, eternally... Tap the bell, you might win something. What, do you know what I mean? What more do you need? That's it, baby. And yeah, so you're catching us here. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Chat Grapple Pops. That is more Twitter is Jordan's uh, domain, but I do occasionally chip in with bits and bobs. We will be putting more photos on the Insta. If you're watching the video, this is YouTube, uh, Chat Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast on YouTube. We are on every single podcast platform available, which is Podbean, Spotify, Deezer, CastBox, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and a load more we've got to add to that list. You can get us on Amazon Alexa via TuneIn Radio. And yeah, we just love doing what we're doing and we're going to keep doing it every week. We're going to keep grinding these out and we just keep watching these wrestling pay-per-views. My, my main man, JB, I'm Chris Dredd. This was World War Three, 1995 WCW. And we just want to say thank you to everybody that has listened, as Jordan says, listened, played along, laughed along. We love you all. Falling asleep, so, yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so until next time, it's a goodbye from me. Take care, guys. Take it easy, guys, and we'll see you on the next one.